You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Good morning, Vancouver 602 on a Monday. What a Monday. What a start to Monday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, what a powerhouse production from you. Good morning, Andy Cole. Good morning. Don't you love week one? I do love week one. That so was much a, audio. That was a great Sunday. What a better Sunday of calls. Andy Cole on the intro. We have a lot to get into today. The dog. He's got that dog in him. Uh, we got a lot to get to today on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We are going to go over everything that happened in a pretty wild week one Sunday of the National Football League season. But, Jason... For this show in particular, this week was never about Thursday night football. No. It was never about Sunday night football. No. It was all about Monday night. Monday night football. Seahawks. Broncos. Russ's return to Seattle tonight. This is our Super Bowl tonight. It is. I know Baker Mayfield yesterday was uh, used that reference yeah. and, and said, I know everyone thought this was going to be the Super Bowl as he played his former team, the Cleveland Browns. But we got... 16 weeks to go. No, 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 not for Seahawks fans. Uh, for Seahawks fans, tonight is the Super Bowl. Uh, and you know what? After last night's primetime game, which was an absolute dog, it did not have that dog in it. I am very much looking forward to, but also have a little bit of trepidation because I, I want it to be a good game. I want it to be close. I want to see some fireworks. I don't want it to be a dud. But again, that's the big one tonight at 7.30, as I'll just kind of throw out our guests randomly today. As I tell you what's happening on the program, 7.30, I think maybe the best possible guest we could get for this significant Seattle sporting moment, Dave Softy Mahler from KJR Sports Radio in Seattle. Yeah, we'll talk to Dave about uh, Russell Wilson and his legacy in Seattle. Uh, uh, we'll also talk to Dave, I think, about uh, the Seattle Mariners who had a really fun uh, win last night with a walk-off home run. They By? Need- I, I don't know. Some, I practiced uh, it in you, the mirror this well, morning. Yeah, I didn't want to try. Eugenio Suarez. Eugenio, <laughs> right? It looks like Eugenio when it's spelled out. Oh, okay. And everyone, you'd think that would be the way. So you, it's like EU to start? Yes. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah right. So, yeah. <laughs> so Eugenio. But it's uh, Eugenio okay. Suarez. I practiced it a few times this morning. At any rate, the Mariners nearly blew it. Um, but then they got it back. Um, exciting times for the Mariners. Uh, even the Huskies have a big game coming up next weekend against Michigan State. The Huskies are 2-0, and and they've actually got a decent chance against um, Michigan State. Do you know the name of, uh, speaking of names, of the Huskies quarterback? Penix? Penix. It is. His last name is spelled P-E-N-I- X. Oh no, that's unfortunate. Penix. 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 Play play it's the only. It is in true Halford and Bruff fashion. The only thing I know about the Washington Huskies football team is that they Penix. have a quarterback named Penix. That's Just it. Penix. Sure it is. Sure it is. Uh, anyway, yeah, Penix here. Can you tell us how you won the game? <laughs> yeah, Penix. <laughs> um, okay, so Softy's going to join us at seven thirty. KGR Sports Radio in Seattle. We're going to go through everything we just talked about uh, before him at seven o'clock. Our Monday morning quarterback, Mike Tannier, is going to join the program. Uh, Mike, of course, the presentation of the Clayton Public House. We're going to talk to him. I don't even know where to start 
with Mike because there were so many compelling storylines from week one. But in true Halford and Bruff, House of Negativity, Haters Ball fashion, we're going to focus on how many teams had terrible Sundays. I think that's the best way to do it Yeah, because there were so many terrible Sundays for so many people. It's the most entertaining way to do we it. We get to revel in their disappointment, right? We get to revel in their injuries. Well, that's kind of, that's lowbrow, even for this show. But there were so many bad things that happened. Uh, it's also the subject of our, we did a poll question today. We haven't done one in months. We got a poll question today. We'll get into that in a second as well. But Tanier is going to join us at 7 to go around the NFL. Uh, Dave Softumuller at 7.30. And then 8 o'clock, uh, Canucks talk with Ian McIntyre's first hit of the new season. Sportsnet's very own. iMac will join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, obviously, the big game tonight. It's really a light night on the sporting schedule if you look at it. There's a bunch of baseball games, but it's almost like everyone has cleared the decks for the National Football League. So you've got Seattle, Denver, 5.15 kickoff. I'm sure you're going to want to be around your television for that one. Uh, and then the Jays open another huge series for them against the Tampa Bay Rays after failing to sweep the Rangers but going 8-2 and two on the road. So it's a big day. There's tons to get into. There's a lot to look forward to. But we need to look back. A-Dog, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? So I think the best way to set the stage for all of the action Sunday in the NFL is to go to said poll question. It's up now at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter. Who had the worst Sunday in the NFL? Dallas. I picked four. I picked four teams. And there are other candidates as well. I actually encourage people to go to Twitter and write in your own if you don't feel like I pick one of the four. Or... Get a hold of us, Dunbar Lumber, text line 650-650. Who had the worst Sunday? Either team, individual, owner, anybody. This is going to be a runaway win for the Dallas Cowboys in the poll question. And it just goes to show you how bad things went for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football against Tom Brady um, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that there are so many other great candidates. Mm-hmm. And we can actually, um, we'll throw out the question to the listeners uh, who had the worst Sunday, but you can also give individuals too. Sure. Like if you want to give teams or individuals, like for example, Jerry Jones. Most of the kickers. Any kicker, yeah. Most of the <laughs> kickers, just kickers. It was... Um, <sighs> Bad for Dallas. Yeah, it was terrible. In that they hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Cowboy Stadium and were getting booed for most of the game Mm -hmm. for a completely ineffective performance, especially on offense. And then it was revealed uh, after the game that Dak Prescott would be out for a while. It's now estimated to be about seven to eight weeks. Has he got a broken hand? Busted digit on said hand. He actually... uh on a throwing motion, had his hand hit Shaq Barrett's hand. Shaq Barrett proved to have the stronger of the two hands. So right. that, there it goes for Dak Prescott. He there, broke his hand on someone else's hand? It's pretty impressive. I thought I, I thought it would have been like a, a helmet or something It like usually that. is, yeah. right? It's either your offensive lineman's helmet or a D lineman coming to sack you. And Do you bang. know, that's actually like kind of cool. Shaq Barrett has rock hands. Shaq Barrett's like, I broke another guy's hand. With my hand. <laughs> so, in light of how bad that that was, uh, the Cowboys do lead the poll at 65%. Not surprisingly, number two is the Green Bay Packers, who we'll get into in a second. But, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. So, Sunday Night Football, as Jason alluded to, 
Not even close. And such a disappointment for the Cowboys fans and Cowboys Nation. Think about this. You open the season at home, primetime, against the GOAT, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, Tom Brady, quarterback, marquee, ballyhooed game. 19-3 loss for the Cowboys at home. They scored on their opening possession on a field goal, and then they did absolutely nothing on offense after that. Prescott was ineffective. He couldn't complete any pass beyond five yards. I think he finished with like a buck 37 and a pick before he got hurt. The Buccaneers weren't that great on offense. In fact, the first half, it was all field goals. Brady and Evans connected on a touchdown to kind of seal it late. But this was just Tampa Bay's defense coming out and dominating, or more specifically, that Cowboys offense not doing anything. I have a question for you. How long has Mike McCarthy been head coach in Dallas? Is it in a couple years now? Yes. Is there a chance he could be fired in the first few weeks? Because I kind of compare his situation, and I know probably not many listeners have been following this story, to Scott Frost, the head coach, former head coach now at Nebraska. Which is a fantastic story. He went into this season, and a lot of people in Nebraska wanted this guy fired. Nebraska football has fallen off so badly in the last, I don't know, whatever, decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern yes. on Saturday, and they've got a big game against Oklahoma uh, coming up. Nebraska just said, we can't have you as coach anymore. You so after two now. games in college football, they fired the head coach. And this guy had renegotiated his contract so that his buyout would drop. So if he were to be fired, his buyout would be dropped from $15 million to like $7.5 million. Mm-hmm. But it had to be after a few weeks of the season. If they had waited two more weeks, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. two more weeks. If, if Nebraska had waited two more weeks... Uh, they would have been able to get away with a buyout of just seven and a half million, but they were like, "We can't, we can't have this. I, not, not ahead of this game against Oklahoma. So we are going to spend an additional seven and a half million dollars to fire you two weeks before." So they were talking about this on CBS Sports Radio on the way in this morning, uh, Damon and Laura and the boys, and they were saying, "You know how?" And I, I thought, "How bad must it be? How bad must it feel to know that they are so desperate to get you out of the building?" That they're going to pay an extra seven and a half million to do something that would have cost I, them less in two weeks time. They could have just let them hang around. Their season's yeah. done anyway. I would take it. I would take that seven and a half million dollars, extra seven and a half million dollars to to feel bad because I'd already feel bad. But getting back to the Cowboys, yes. So um, yeah, the, Mike the McCarthy's in his third year on the job. Yeah. He did take them to the playoffs last year. He did win twelve games last year, and I don't know if he would get fired after losing his starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. However. This is Dallas. This is Jerry Jones. These are the Cowboys. It feels like you're perennially on the hot seat in Dallas unless you're winning titles. So I wouldn't be surprised. So I'm going to go off the board okay. and say that the worst Sunday, and I guess you can throw Thursday in there, the NFC West. Uh, your Seattle Seahawks are first place Folks. in the NFC West at a perfect record of 0-0. Zero and zero. Uh the Los Angeles Rams kicked off the season with a really embarrassing loss mm-hmm. to Buffalo. The only thing not embarrassing about that loss is that it was to Buffalo, but otherwise they were pretty dreadful. Then on Sunday, and it's interesting that we said we were we said before the season like we're going to be interested to see how it pans out in San Francisco and Arizona. It is not panning out well early on. Uh the 49ers Lost to the Bears, 
And Trey Lance did not look particularly good. And the Arizona Cardinals were absolutely dominated by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think Kyler Murray, at the end of the game, his stat line looked not terrible, but a lot of it, a lot of the good stats were compiled in garbage time when the Chiefs had already run away with the game. Yeah, and the the Cardinals played catch-up that entire game, like not the condiment. They were playing catch up the entire game because they yes, had because it's pronounced ketchup. Because they had absolutely <laughs> no yes. Ketchup? Ketchup. 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 He calls it ketchup like ketchup. a tw- like a like a six year old <laughs> might Mom, can I have some more ketchup? At least not cat soap. I mean it could be worse. Cat soup. Uh they were trailing right from the get. And I feel like that was a very big Patrick Mahomes statement game. Five touchdowns when everyone else was talking about all the shiny new toys that everybody else got at the receiver position on these new quarterbacks and new places, it's old Patrick Mahomes going in and just putting forth a scintillating performance. I noticed when they got down to the red zone, they don't run the ball in. It's like it's almost like they want to pad his passing stats. Yeah. So he gets to do whatever he wants behind center. Like a couple of little shovel throws to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a touchdown. They are such a dynamic offensive team. The game got away mm-hmm. from the Cardinals after like the first quarter and a half it was done. Uh, I'm actually a little surprised that you didn't include San Francisco. They're in the honorable mentions. In the in the poll question because now the whole debate starts, right? Like after week one, yep. it's kind of like, well, should Jimmy G be starting? Because we can't waste this season. We can't waste any season with the, te- with the team we've got besides the quarterback position. So I, I just want to put it out there just so everybody knows that we are aware of the situation. It was a revolting weather game in Chicago. The downpour was torrential. The field was a mess. It was in the slop. That being said, football is played in the rain. I'm sure it rained once or twice at South Dakota, where Trey Lance previously was. It, it's funny. I mentioned the DA show, the CBS guys in the morning. They were doing this kind of similar topic, and he, DA went on the air and said, I think the most disappointing loss out of any of them for any team this Sunday was the San Francisco 49ers putting up 10 points in Chicago in a loss because, don't forget, this is a team that was one win away from the Super Bowl last year. This is a team that Jimmy Garoppolo got to that NFC Championship game. And you make the change to Trey Lance, 13 of 28 passing. More incompletions than completions, which you do not see in the NFL nowadays. And Justin Fields actually looked worse early on. It was not a good football game, in both ways. Right. Like Fields, Fields and Lance have kind of similar profiles in terms of how they play, but Fields and, and also they're kind of wild cards in yeah. terms of who knows how they're going to pan out. But Fields looks like a more accurate passer. Trey Lance does not look like he can throw the football accurately, which is kind of a problem when your job is to deliver the football accurately. That's some insight you're not going to get on other sports talk radio shows, folks. Uh, do you know who the 49ers play next? No. Your Seattle Seahawks. Oh, wow. What a great opening two they weeks. They host them the next Sunday. So you pick, it's funny. You picked the um, NFC West as having the worst, worst start to the season. Now, the, the Seahawks could turn that around. Uh, did you see what the AFC South went in and did on, uh, on the weekend? Wasn't good. Wasn't good. Somehow. The conference, the division managed to emerge without a victory, despite two teams playing one another. That, of course, was <laughs> Houston and Indy. You would think that at the very least, you're like, well, we got an individual game. Someone's going to get a win this weekend. No, no. So that the Houston Indy game, the less I say about it, the better. It was just gross football. 
I don't know if you caught the end of it, but um, Houston had the ball, final possession, uh, less than a minute mm-hmm. left. And they had a really conservative play call on third down to force fourth down with about 30 seconds left. And then Levy Smith punted for the tie. He's like, you know what? Just send kick, it away. Just kick the ball into their end and we'll take the tie. And everyone's like, this can't be happening. But it absolutely was. So that happened. Who is who, who is who is Houston's quarterback? Davis right Mills. About, okay, yeah, I was, I was going to try and guess it. Oh, I was like, Davis oh. Mills sounds like um, a CFL backup. He does. Don't you actually? Think? Yes. Sounds like a CFL <laughs> like, backup. Like just the name, like you Davis mean? Mills. Yeah. 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 Right. We well, have- <laughs> we'll see if the Red Blacks are going to turn to Davis Mills. That's at right. Halftime. We tried Pipkin. We tried Adams. <laughs> now oh, it's time for Mills. God, don't mention the Lions. We'll there's do al- that later. There's always oh, Phoenix my. in the background. And God. there's Phoenix waiting, waiting to be drafted. <laughs> um, so, anyway, that game was gross. Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, just not good. The Jaguars had a chance to really kickstart year two of the Trevor Lawrence experience in style. But they blew it with a comeback to, of all people, Carson Wentz and uh, Washington. So you've got all this going on. You're thinking, well, okay, like maybe the division can squeak out a game. No, that was it for the AFC South. So not a single victory because the, the champs of the division, the Tennessee Titans, who are also in this poll question as an honorable mention, somehow managed to stub their toe and lose to the New York Giants mm-hmm. on a last-second field goal missed by Randy Bullock. So you're looking at it and saying, all due respect to the NFC West, who could get a win tonight. Uh, AFC South, terrible, terrible, terrible weekend for the AFC South. Ian and Coquitlam, uh, worst weekend? How about the best weekend? Jimmy G has to be feeling pretty good this morning after watching how inept the 49ers were without him. How long will Trey Lance last this season? So we just kind of talked about that. Um, well, you, sorry, we, just to jump in here. You know what else might have played into Jimmy G's benefit here is a Eight-week absence by Dak Prescott because I understand that Lance didn't look good, but make no mistake, the Niners are all in on the guy. You don't draft someone third overall. You don't put all of that capital and all of that time and resources into a guy and then bench him after week one where you're playing in the slop at Soldier Field. Do you you think they trade him to Dallas, though? If Dallas paid the right price. It would have to be a huge price because Dallas could be competing with San Francisco for a playoff spot. I mean, here's the thing about Garoppolo in San Francisco. How much longer can he realistically? He's not going to win the starting job back. I'd be, I'd be, I would be floored at this point if he did. Because even if Trey Lance isn't the guy, the question still comes back to: Well, is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy? I don't yeah. think they ever believed that he was. So if the you, thing that is the, the thing that people will say though is that Jimmy G, as uninspiring as he can be, sometimes. Still managed to get them to a Super Bowl. Still managed them managed to to help them on a run last season. Like he's he's capable of winning some big games. He's capable oh, of, of 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 leading the 49ers to wins in the playoffs. Trey Lance may be incapable. I I know the argument. I've I think I've had this same one on the station. The question is, do the 49ers care? Do the 49ers really care? Because if they believe that argument as valid. And it back with yeah, the they would that, if they, because, because he's got the upside, right? But he hasn't shown anything. I mean, he didn't show it in the preseason. Yeah. I, th- there's been no real. And so they kept Jimmy G. So what does that tell you? That they were scared. Yeah. A little bit. But and, I, they, and that they might consider yeah. turning to him. I Honestly, I think that it's. Um, I think that they've really mishandled the whole situation. I think that if they wanted to have a 
quote unquote safety blanket uh, at backup quarterback, then they probably could have gone out and got a different one. Just not Garoppolo, because given the history there. Uh, Asan in Coquitlam mentions and reminds us that Cincinnati had a brutal week. Yes, yeah. the Bengals and Joe Burrow did have a bad week. So they're on the list. I had them kind of as the number three, number four power rankings on the absolutely brutal Sundays. Five turnovers for Diamond Joe Burrow in his first game of the season in defense of, of course, the AFC Championship and appearance in the Super Bowl. The crazy part and the reason that they're on the list ahead of some other ones is that they should have won that football game. Is oh, that God, yes. They it's just, an extra point. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a game where a team is minus five in turnover differential because <laughs> Mitch Trubisky went out and did an extra point to win it only for Minka Fitzpatrick to block it. They go to overtime. They have another chance to win it. The, the Bengals do on a 29-yard field goal. Evan McPherson hooks that. So you're looking no, at no, it. No, here's no, no, no. Hooks that. Oh, he shanked it. He No, no, no. It was a hook. Yeah. It was the worst hook I've like ever seen a it kicker was, hook. That, it was laces in. That's what happened. That was, was incredible. Yeah. Because So if you watch the replay, the snap is way high. And yeah. I actually think the starting long snapper was hurt. That's why this happened. And the holder got it down. You can see the laces coming in. And then it, it kind of went straight for like a nanosecond. I was like, is he going for the coffin corner yeah. there? <laughs> and just, I don't think you do that on the field goal. It was actually you? impressive the amount that it bent. It was like watching like Ronaldo like hit yeah. a free kick. It just totally tailed off in the wrong direction. Weekend hacker golfers like me were like, I've done that before. Yes, that was as about as good of a hook as you could possibly hit. So the Bengals are on the list because of that. Uh, do you want to revel in the... <laughs> Misfortune of the fourth team on this list, the New England Patriots. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of over the Patriots now. Mm. You know, like I, I don't, I just don't consider them. Um, well, they were in the playoffs last year. I know, I know they were, but the, I don't consider them um, a threat to my ego or my a threat to my my feelings anymore. Uh, I, the, yeah. the way they the, the way they look right now, they're just yeah, they're just another team that needs a quarterback. Uh, and, and I actually, and I know that you're again, out on Mac Jones. Well. I think Bill Belichick probably of all people knows the importance of actually having an elite guy as a, as opposed to a, to a guy that's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess maybe he's okay. I, I just wonder if the Patriots could be so bad this season, if they can have such a bad season, the way they looked against Miami. And I realize it's overreaction Monday and it's only week one. The Patriots could bounce back. But could they be in the conversation where they're sitting there going, man, we're so bad that we might have to draft a C.J. Stroud or a I, Bryce Young? I told, I get where you're coming from because I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I don't think he's ever going to be in that upper echelon where, that you need to win in the NFL right yeah. now. But it's hilarious that after we, we're talking about <laughs> with a rookie quarterback, won 10 games last year and went to the playoffs, and, and you're having a totally valid conversation. Like that's how quickly things can change. Well, I and, just think especially for a franchise that knows the value of Having greatness, a great a great quarterback as opposed to, eh, he's okay. So Jones got hurt in yesterday's loss to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins were a sneaky surprise story. I think everyone was curious to see how this was going to play out with the boy wonder, Mike McDaniel as the head coach, and Tua getting a really quality wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Um, it went great for Miami. It was a terrific performance. Uh, McDaniel had the big play call in the first half, he went for it on fourth and seven in the first quarter, and that ended up being a Jalen Wadden touchdown, a Jalen Waddle touchdown, sorry. Did I say Wadden? God, scars from the past. Jalen Waddle touchdown. 
And it's funny, afterwards they were asking Tyreek Hill, I wish we had the audio of this, but they asked Tyreek Hill about his head coach. And he said that he is, quote, going to need a wheelbarrow to carry around his nuts because that's how big they are. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was pretty so good. So they're, they're big. He's got the, he's got, yeah, he does, yeah. You know what? That would actually be quite a handicap. They should draft Penix. 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 <laughs> uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Let us know about your reactions from week one of the NFL season, specifically everything that happened yesterday on Sunday. Who had the worst Sunday in the NFL? Cowboys, Packers, Patriots, Bengals. Go off the board if you want. San Fran, Arizona, Tennessee. Let us know. There was a lot that happened yesterday. We're going to dive into the rest of it next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Thirty-three on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Okay, here we go. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I said off the top, we are now coming to you live from the Kintec studio in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. That's because the Sportsnet 650 studio is brought to you by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. So in the Dunbar Lumber text line, we have a text that says, my thoughts on week one of the NFL season are that there is not enough NHL talk. Well, there we go. Um, here's some NHL talk for you then. Oh yeah. That's the right. Montreal, NHL news this morning. The Montreal Canadiens have a new captain, not Brendan Gallagher, who I think a lot of people thought might be the new captain. In fact, they've skipped over Brendan Gallagher and just gone straight to the young guy in Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is the new captain. He becomes the 31st captain in Montreal Canadiens history. I thought they'd have more. They've been around so right. long. 31 actually doesn't even sound like that many. I suppose uh, back in the day, guys held the, the, the mantle for an awfully long time, right? I would imagine probably like 10, 15 years as captain or something along those lines. But yeah, it's changed hands recently to the fact, the point where uh, I asked Jason earlier a little trivia question. I said that prior to Nick Suzuki being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, it was Shea Weber. Prior to Shea Weber, it was Max Pacioretty. Do you remember who the captain was prior to Max Pacioretty? This was as early as, I believe, 2014. Uh, yeah, and I, and I didn't. And Halford gave me the answer of little Brian Gionta. Right. I don't think they called him that when he was captain. But no, no, little is stands. his legal L- first name. Lil, 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 Lil. Lil <laughs> Brian Gionta. Yeah, uh, he became a rapper afterwards. <laughs> Lil B. Anyway. Do you know who their first captain was in 1909? <laughs> I don't. Was it Brian Gianta? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Max Pacioretty, actually. Nice. No, Bill it was, Ted Flanagan. <laughs> it, was, it was Big Jack Laviolette. Okay. Did not know that, but I know it now. So I'm glad, Jason, that you led with the controversy 
on this news. You didn't come out and sell this as, what a great day for Nick Suzuki being named the, what, 31st or 32nd captain Mm -hmm. in franchise history. You said, lead story. Boom. Headline. Not Brandon Gallagher. Brandon Gallagher not named Montreal Canadiens captain, which is a terrific little little dig there. But it's true. I kind of thought that they would go in that direction given his years of servitude to the club, given how he plays. Yeah. I guess this does kind of lead you to wonder how long he is for Montreal because on a team that's young and has its core of guys that are in their early 20s, Galley's on the wrong side of 30, and he's got a pretty movable contract, and I think there would be a lot of teams that would love to pick him up. I don't want to read too much into the captaincy thing, but it's hard not to when you look at how it all unfolded. Uh, Here's another text. That's a good jumping off point into the Dunbar Lumber text line. And if you want to text into the Halford and Bruff show, you can text the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. And this text goes like this. For all those who bashed the CFL and its crummy game, well, there was a whole bunch of them yesterday in the NFL. So there. Number one, true. Mm -hmm. There were some bad games. There was a bad game on Sunday night football between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That borderline was, unwatchable. Borderline, borderline unwatchable. unwatchable. Yep. And I proved that by turning it off. <laughs> uh, but here's another thing. Your BC Lions played in one of them. Oof. Yeah. That was a very tough Friday night Yikes, for the British man. Columbia Lions. I just, like... <sighs> this season started out so well and it was such a great story and it was so nice for us to be able to say nice things about the bc lions and the cfl as much as people think that we love bashing the cfl or love bashing the bc lions we don't we had this new great story in nathan rourke who was not only an incredible quarterback in the cfl he was born in victoria he was canadian i realized i didn't grow i think he grew up in oakville but he was Canadian, and he was really good. And the Lions had this really great stable of receivers, too. They played exciting football, high-scoring football for the most part. Nathan Rourke's last full game was that incredible comeback against the Calgary Stampeders. Then the very next game against Saskatchewan, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then the Lions were left to, okay, is it going to be Michael O'Connor, the other Canadian? Is it going to be Antonio Pipkin? the third stringer who's had his chance to be a starter in the CFL and it didn't work out. Well, those two took their best chances, took their best shot against Saskatchewan, and I think it was clear to everyone, including Lions management, that it wasn't going to get it done. Mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. Yep. So they go out and they trade a first-round pick to Montreal to get Vernon Adams. I realize that he hasn't had much time with the team. Um. He hasn't had much time to practice with the Lions. And I realized he didn't even play that much against Montreal over the weekend. Mm -hmm. How much optimism do we really have for this guy that was bypassed in Montreal by Trevor Harris? Like, what what reason do we have other than blind optimism to think that he can salvage the season for the BC Lions? Well, because I thought that the Lions were a better team than this. With or without Nathan Rourke. That's a game on Friday that a, with, with defense and special teams in a ground game. Well, their special teams were a problem. Exactly. But right. what I'm saying is a good football team yeah. that has a good defense and good special teams and a good ground game. Let's say they lose a hypothetical team loses its quarterback. You should be able to go on the road 
and not get blown out by a 5-7 and seven Alouettes team that isn't very good. They had nothing, and they were done in the first half lines. The 21 points that they raced out to, you felt like it was a bridge too far, a mountain yeah. too tall to climb with the guys they had at quarterback. The thing is, is if you're going to salvage the season like the Lions very clearly are trying to make that, or sorry, by making that Vernon Adams trade, giving up a first-round pick, then it has to be better than that. You have to be competitive in a game against a team with a losing record that's on the crappy side of the the CFL and the league. The East is bad. Those teams are bad. That's where you're supposed to go get your wins. And not only did the Lions lose, the Lions got trounced. Well, we're going to find out a lot about the Lions over the next two weeks because they go to Calgary to play the Stampeders, and then they return home, return home to play the Stampeders again. Uh, if the Stampeders win both those games then the Lions' chances of hosting a playoff game are, I think are pretty slim because it's probably gone badly against Calgary. Um, Vernon Adams probably hasn't been the answer, so we're going to learn a lot about the BC Lions. I think we've learned all we can about the Vancouver Whitecaps, and that is I want their season to end. So, uh, three games left at home, including this Wednesday, two days from now, for the Whitecaps, but those are going to be... Uh, polite applause and thanks for the Canadian championship but your season is done type crowds. I don't even know if they'll get that. 3-1 loss for the Caps on the weekend in Colorado against the Rapids. If their season wasn't already done before that game, it really is now. They are mathematically alive, but even Vanny in his post-game remarks was talking about the final home games and we have to go out and show pride for our fans. Yeah, He wasn't talking about a magical playoff run. It's just a huge disappointment of a season, and you really have to wonder what direction the club goes because this was a season where they made pretty significant purchases and tra- and transactions and acquisitions of players, right? Uh, they brought in Andre Kubas for fairly big money. They made that trade to get Julian Gressel in. They brought in Shop from Aust- the Austrian International at the end of the year. So there were moves made to be better than this, and they have been a complete disappointment since winning that Canadian championship, and now their season is all but done, and I, we mentioned this last week, I'll say it again, I do wonder um, if we'll ever see Lucas Cavallini play in a Whitecaps uniform, and I do wonder how much longer Vanny Sartini is going to be employed. End of Whitecaps analysis. That's how disappointing that weekend was for them. Uh, I kind of want to dive back into some of this NFL stuff. We got to Suzuki, we got to the Lions, we got to the Caps, so that's good. Uh, I wanted to play some Aaron Rodgers audio, because of all these teams that had awful, oh, yeah. awful week ones, awful Sundays... We kind of went over the Cowboys. Like, that was a disaster from top to bottom. We talked about the Pats. We talked about the Bengals. The Packers are actually in the current poll. It's up at 650 right now, at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter. Who had the worst Sunday? The Packers are a solid number two. Lots of votes coming in for them. Was there a worse way for uh, the Packers to start their first offensive series? than with a brutal drop by a young receiver. No, and it's funny. So in the aftermath, we don't have this audio, but I can paraphrase it. Rodgers said that the coaching staff kind of huddled and talked to him, and they're like, do you want to take a big shot deep early? And he's like, yeah, what the hell? Let's go for it. Like, the kid's got wheels. I can't. I apologize for not knowing the name of the receiver off the top of my head. Uh, Cement Hand Smith. Yeah, it was just slipped right through. It was more like banana hands. It just slipped right through, and he had nothing there. But um, it was interesting because... They wanted to make a statement with these receivers right off the bat. And they're like, what better way than throwing a 75-yard bomb? And then it actually went the complete opposite way because it just highlighted what's going to be a recurring problem for Aaron Rodgers and this team is that their wide receivers stink. Now, they might be good later in their careers, but right now, they're not very good. So, Rodgers has been asked about this already, (laughs) right? Well, this all, all started 
because early in the preseason, he gave the young receivers a shot across the bow. Right. He basically said they're going to need to work hard and they're going to need to figure this out because I guess it was the first game of the preseason and he said there were drops, there were missed routes, there were routes that weren't run properly. Um, drops. So, Lots of drops. So so I think early on, especially after Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders, like the, the, the whole focus in Green Bay was these young receivers. Yeah, and, and they took it as not just a shot across the bow of the receivers but also of the front office because – Devontae Adams gone, no real adequate replacement coming in. So Rodgers' criticisms are kind of like the scatter shot, right? It's like, I'm just going to take this, I'm going to blast this shotgun, it's going to go everywhere, I'm going to hit my receivers, I'm going to hit the front office, maybe even the coaching staff. So he was asked again yesterday about his young, inexperienced, and quite frankly, not that talented receiving core. Uh, here's what Aaron Rodgers, the veteran quarterback, had to say after a blowout loss in Minnesota. Look, we got to have patience with those guys. They're young. You know, they haven't been in the in the fire. Now, that patience will be thinner as the season goes on, but uh, the expectation will be high. So we'll keep them accountable, but it's going to happen. It's going to be drops. hate to see it on the first play, but there's, it's a part of it. It's going to be drops throughout the season. It's an interesting position for him to be in, openly acknowledging that this is going to be a learning year for his receivers because that doesn't often translate into success. Well, it's also... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers um, has got a few good years left, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. Like, even though he's, well, eh, he just seems like the court type of quarterback that's that's going to be good until, like, how old is he? What, 37, something along those lines? Could be good until he's 40. He's, he's 38. He's 38. Yep. Okay, so he's got a couple good seasons left. Say that. He can't afford to really waste one, right? Nope. On, on, a, on, a, on a young receiving core that is just learning. I'm just learning out here. We got to be patient, and I realize his patient is probably actually a little thinner than he even makes it sound. And he concedes that as the season progresses, that patience is going to wear thin. He's um, the reigning most valuable player in the NFL. Yeah. It it is it's crazy when they write the book on Rodgers. The lack of talent that he's been surrounded by at times, I think, is maybe going to be more pronounced after his career is done, because. It's shocking to me that after winning MVP and having like there you have Aaron Rodgers, you can win a Super Bowl almost yeah. every year. That the, they would lose Devonta Adams in the way that they did, and then not try and come up with an adequate replacement. Be like, you know what you can do at age thirty eight? You can groom some young receivers who might yeah. be good in two or three years' time. At which time you might be out of the NFL. That to me is crazy. Now I'll say this: this is an exact repeat of last season. Do you remember last season? I don't know if you remember how it started, but they went. They went to They're a new- horrible, but he was horrible. And yeah, he, he but- was he was bad in in week one, and he said everyone needs to relax. Right, they got absolutely trounced by New Orleans. I think it was a neutral site game because of um, it might have been a hurricane, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Rogers in the pack looked brutal, and then he turned it around, and they turned it around. They went to the playoffs. He won MVP. So history would suggest don't do this, don't write them off right now, in large part because of the recent history. But it's hard not to look at that receiving core and say, well, it's different. Yeah. Last year, he won MVP while he had Devontae Adams there. This year, he absolutely doesn't. Uh, some other stories from yesterday. There were So we talked about the kickers, right? There were missed kicks, blocked kicks all over the place. It's funny, if you actually look at the raw numbers in terms of successful field goals made, 
that was pretty much on par with the league average from the last two years. It and was, there were some good long kicks made. Including the one that killed Baker Mayfield yeah, and the Carolina Panthers. A 58-yarder by a rookie kicker for Cleveland uh, at the death He there. drew that in there. Yeah. It was a like crazy a, like, kick. Like a golf shot. It was. Uh, it, it looked like... I think everyone in Carolina that mm-hmm. was seated in, seated in a, a certain section yep. that would have been like, oh, that's going to miss. And then it drew right back in. So that's fine. You know, let's have that conversation. So I've long been a fan of kickers and punters. That's the soccer crossover to football, right? Yeah. I've kind of paid attention more to like what they do. I don't think. I, 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 I like it when the ball gets kicked. When they, when they boot it real far or real high. I don't think people really understand exactly what these guys can do when they kick. Like, they can make the ball go pretty much anywhere with great accuracy. The reason that you see the misses in games is because the, the nerves and the pressure is so high. But if you watch them do it casually, yeah, like, why, like Michael Dixon, the punter for Seattle, like, if there's no pressure on, he can knock punts pretty much wherever you want to put them. Like, mm-hmm. put a little bucket out in the corner 70 yards away, yeah. and casually he can hit it, no problem, because that's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. He kicks footballs in specific directions. It is So when you watch the... It's like, it is like golfers. Like, they can hit these crazy shots, but, you know, the question is, can they handle the pressure? When there's like 70,000 people cursing and, your name, yeah. And you've only got one chance to do it. Well, that's the big thing, right? If you give Michael Dixon 10 opportunities to punt and put it in a bucket 70 yards away, probably hit eight of them, right? But the two... What happens if that happens in a game? Anyway, back to the point. So, a lot of bad kicks across the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game. If we're going to talk about sloppy NFL games, this was by far the sloppiest and the ugliest of the bunch. Mistakes galore. We mentioned Joe Burrow on the five turnovers. The kicks in this game were dreadful. Two, two missed field goals to win in overtime. Yeah. One by Cincinnati. McPherson, as we mentioned, hooked the 29-yarder. Chris Boswell missed in overtime as well, and then he came back and kicked the winner at the end. Can 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 we listen to that miss, by the way? Oh, the the it was. How do you describe the sound before we hear it? It wasn't a doink, thonk. A thonk, thonk is very thonk? very good. Is it a thonk? Yeah. Let's let the listeners decide. This is the Chris Boswell miss in overtime for Pittsburgh before he redeemed himself with a win late. Uh, play the thonk for us, Andy. From fifty-five yards away, Boswell. Sort of like a bong. Donk. Bong. Donk. One more time. One more time. One more time. It gets progressively more annoying every time you hear it. So I guess again. That is such a good sound. Yeah. It's it's a thonk isn't far off. It was very cartoonish. Like I, I audibly laughed out loud when yeah. I heard it. Uh, but like what kind of uh so your your dad, a lot of people don't know this, but your dad was in the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Both my parents. Both your parents For were... 40-ish years, yeah. In the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Retired okay. now, but yeah. What instruments did they play? My dad played the oboe, his principal oboe, mom was violin. Okay, so they would have known about the percussion section. Yeah, they would have called what? that some sort of timpani of some sort. Timpani. Yeah. Uh, what, was... I, I don't know, it kind of sounds like a bong to me, or maybe a really large bass drum. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just very, you know... Oh. It's kind of ruined by the guy going, Rang! over top of it, but you know... <laughs> Well, that sound aside, um, is there the- any way they could install "bang" into the thing when it gets hit <laughs> to make it really cartoonish? Could they yeah. do that? Can the NFL actually pay money to go like? I'm sure they could. Well, you know why? Because that would be amazing. All joking aside, they do have those Nickelodeon broadcasts for kids, right? I imagine they have the technology to do that, <laughs> right? Um, okay, so the big story from that game, despite the thonk, 
and Joe Burrow throwing five picks. And they're all the storylines. The biggest storyline for that game for sure is the TJ Watt injury. So I don't know how many of you saw this, but the, the reigning defensive player of the year, the Steelers' best player, really, um, in the fourth quarter tried to make a tackle. And you could see his arm kind of get extended and then him go down in pain immediately. And kudos to the cameraman who got the up-close shot. You can actually see him mouthing the words, I think I tore my pec. Right. Right? And that was the torn pectoral muscle, which hasn't been confirmed, at least not yet this morning. I haven't checked. But overnight, not confirmed by the Steelers, but multiple reports saying that it's a torn pectoral for TJ Watt, which is just a huge bummer. That's the biggest injury of the weekend by far. And that'll presumably ruin him, rule him out for the rest of the year. You know, that's that's why I don't work out, because I don't have pecs, so right. I, I don't have them to tear. He's tapping his forehead right now like that meme. It's like, you can't <laughs> tear a pec. Um, so that's a disappointment there. We went through the absolutely gross tie between the Colts and Texans and Lovey Smith deciding he's going to punt to tie, which is, that should be a shirt, right? Instead of like play to win, punt to tie should be a great shirt that we could maybe produce from the Halford and Bruff store moving forward. You have a store? We're going to build one. We're going to okay. build one out. Um, other other news and notes from around the league. Uh, Brian Dayball, congratulations. He wins in his debut Gutsy. as Giants head coach. Gutsy goes for two on a late touchdown score to put the Giants into the lead, but they left a bit of time on the clock. Tennessee came down. You thought they were going to win it at home with the field goal. They don't. So disappointment for uh, Tennessee, who I forgot was like uh, they had a bye last year into the playoffs. They right. were they were one of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah. That's a big win for the Giants. It's a disappointing loss. I think people look at Tennessee as they're like, yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs and lose. Yeah. I mean, they, again, to me, and I don't speak for everyone because I'm sure there's some Titan fans out there, but they are kind of an irrelevant franchise. I kind of find that's the, what happens when you, you you have Brian Tannehill as your quarterback, right? Yeah, You're yeah. just kind of like, yeah, he's okay. Did you call him Brian Tannehill? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> That's how irrelevant they are. Brian Tannehill. He could be a Brian Tannehill. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna go with that from now on. Um, oh. Al- Alvin Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of other coaches making their debuts, we briefly mentioned what the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel did against the Pats, but we largely spoke about it in the Pats terms. Uh, he becomes the first Dolphins head coach to win in his debut since Nick Saban. In 2005. So when you think of all the coaches that (laughs) Miami has had. And it's not like they've had a very stable, like. I think they've had a new coach every year, practically. (laughs) It's amazing that he was able to do it. So he gets the dub there, which is great. So a couple coaches getting off tonight's nice starts there. Uh, But again, the NFL talk right now, it's kind of in the rear view because everything is about tonight and Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. When Brian Russell (laughs) Wilson. (laughs) Lie, lie in bed, just like Brian Russell Wilson did. So it's it's the Seahawks, and it is the Broncos tonight. The next hour of programming here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 uh, is going to be, um, again, a ton of NFL, but we're going to really dive into this game. We're going to talk to Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders. He's going to join us next. He has a presentation of the Clayton Public House. And then at 7.30, Dave Softy Mahler from KGR Sports Talk Radio in Seattle. We said this off the top. This is one of the biggest moments in Seattle sports history. This great legacy player coming back Mm -hmm. in opposition colors on Monday Night Football. So there's no one better to talk to 
than Softy. I don't think anyone has their finger on the pulse of what all of Seattle sports and the history and all the teams more than Softy. So I'm really looking forward to talk to him. That's at 7.30. So again, Mike Tanier at 7, Dave Softy Mahler at 7.30. That's the next hour. You have to not go anywhere and keep it on the dial. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.